finishing up our series uh, from the summer on uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And um, this one, I think Jesus kind of saves the best for last. And as he's speaking to his disciples and those that are listening, he shows them exactly who he is and, and where to put our trust and where to put our hope. And I believe that if you heed these words from Christ, it, 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 it will literally change your life. It's all about just the song we just sang. It's a, this cornerstone, building your life on the right foundation. How many of us know that we've made some pretty bad choices in our lives once in a while, right? Or we've made some bad choices in the past. And, and, and we built our hope and our trust on, on not a firm foundation, on a shaky foundation. And, and when the storms of life come <clears throat> or things happen in our life, it, it reveals the foundation that we've truly built our, our life and, and, and put our hopes in. And, and what Jesus does for us in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is he's speaking this on a hillside. He shows for us four things on how to make right choices in our lives. As a dad with three kids, three teeny boppers, one thing I want them to do in their life is make right choices. Every parent says, Amen, right? Because, because you lived it. You've made some bad choices. And, and sometimes they don't see it. You're like, do, do you see what you're doing? Or do you know the choice you're making? And they're like, well, and, and you just say, look, I, I've lived through this. I've made some bad choices. And I want to help you not make the same uh, bad choices that I've made. And sometimes I know they have to live through it and so on and so forth. But, uh, but you want them to make the right choice. And here Jesus lays out for us this foundation for our lives on how to make wise choices. So if you've got your Bibles, the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, you can use those. Those are free. If you need a Bible, you can take those. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the, at, at the last thing Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount and talking about building on a, 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 a firm foundation. So I want to look at first um, verse 13. We're going to look at verse 13 through, through 27. And, uh, and let's see what the words of Jesus says to us here today. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious will, uh, wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes and thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great, what, crash. And what's interesting in verse 28 here, it says, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed by his teaching because he taught with one who had such authority, not as their teachers of the law. How many of you have ever made a quick decision? How'd that work out for you? Right? You made, the, you made this quick decision without thinking all the way through, and, um, and, and, and you regret that because you made it too quickly. Um, um, how many of you, you're, 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 you're the ones that just like to jump on something. You see something, you're like, hey, we, we got to do this right away, especially if you're talking to your spouse. And then there's some of you that you like to research it and research it and research it a little bit more and until you just don't care anymore because it's just months and years into the process. Only then to second guess yourself, right? Um, have you ever bought something you didn't need? Have you ever made an emotional decision about something you bought only to regret it later? Um, you thought you needed that Snuggie, right? <laughs> thought you needed it, right? Actually, that, that is a good purchase, by the way. <laughs> Snuggies are awesome, all right? Um, what about that George Foreman grill you thought would change your life, right? Or, you know, or, or the juicer that you had to have because... It was, you know, going to make you like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? The juicer. This is it, honey. The juicer is the answer to all our problems. The juicer. I had a juicer, by the way. <laughs> they are such a pain. You got to clean them, you know. Here are some of the worst business decisions ever made. Um, I, I, I read this. It was pretty incredible. In 1977... The senior executives at 20th Century Fox made a huge blunder when they signed over all their product merchandising rights from all the Star Wars films to George Lucas in exchange for a mere $20,000 cut in Lucas's studio paycheck. Now, we know this whole Star Wars thing never worked out, right? That was a big blunder, right? Um, here are the combined revenue from merchandising. Here's what they've estimated the combined revenue uh, estimation for Star Wars merchandise. Are you ready? Over $3 billion. I think George made a good deal there. Um, 1985. Uh, so you remember this? So here I graduated high school. 1995, it was 99 years that Coca-Cola company was in business, that they started their, their brand, which that brand is, that Coca-Cola brand is amazing, the brand itself, just Coca-Cola. You can go all over the world and see Coca-Cola. They've branded that well. I mean, you go to, uh, on missions trips, everybody knows, I mean, you see it all over the place. It doesn't matter where you are, that Coca-Cola brand is there. Well, they didn't, they wanted to have this new formula. How many remember the new Coke, right? They were, they were going to get this new form, the new Coke, and only after three months, it was such a failure that they went back to the original formula and they, they renamed it Classic Coca-Cola. Like for three months, now all of a sudden it's a classic, right? And, and it was probably one of the worst business decisions of all times, or was it? Coca-Cola got major coverage. There was a surge in sales. But in reality, they never planned for it. Never planned. One of the worst business decisions ever. Now, when we look over our lives... We can even look at some of the wisdom that maybe our parents 
implemented into our life. And here, here's some of the wisdom that I, I, I've received as parents, as, as, from my parents. And maybe some of you got the same type of wisdom from, from your parents. Um, um, here's, here's some wisdom I got. This is great stuff. Conflict management. Here's some great wisdom that I got from my parents from conflict management. They would say, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. Good conflict man, right? Remember that? Right? Good conflict management. Um, and they, they really taught me how to pray. Did a good job teaching me how to pray. They said, you better pray that this comes out of the carpet, right? <laughs> I can remember Colby, he's 19 now, but when he was like two, my, Kathleen was at a women's thing and he got hold of a Sharpie. And he was under our dining room table, and, and I'm like, yo, he's quiet. What are you doing right there, Colby? You're quiet. Good. You know, he's two, and I'm like, he's just quiet. Good. I didn't realize he had the sharpie, and he's just going to town on our light-colored carpet. And I'm freaking out. I don't know how to get it out. I'm calling my mother. We lived in South Carolina at the time. I'm calling my mother in New York, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law. I'm calling everybody, and, 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 and we did get it out before I killed Colby. But we did get it out, which was... Which was uh, wonderful. Here, here's um, on compassion. My parents give me a lot of wisdom about compassion. Uh, they would say, no, if you fall out of that tree and break your leg, don't come running to me. Right? Remember that? That's good. Good compassion. Um, and, and truthfulness. They taught me a lot of wisdom about truthfulness. If I told you once, I told you a million times, stop exaggerating. Right? Just truthfulness. And, and they did tell me about love. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. Right? That's a... That's a that's wisdom. That's wisdom. But here's what's interesting about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here in, in the last part of it. It, it, it really, he, he gives us these choices that we make. He emphasizes, listen, the choices you make in your life, they do impact your future. And, and here are the choices that I want you to make for your life that, that will give you a firm foundation for the rest of your life. And he gives us four things about wise choices. And what you will notice, that in these choices, in these verses we read, they all have this common thread among them. That the wisest choices are most often the most difficult. The wisest choices that we make often are the most difficult for this reason. Because they're usually counter-cultural. They usually go against what the world tells us to do. And so what Jesus is saying here is, listen, don't always go along with the crowd. Don't always go along with popular opinion. I know it may be popular right now, and I know, I, I know this may be the thing to do and it and allows you to fit in, but that's not always the wisest choice. And so many people have made choices because of popular opinion, only later to find out that it destroyed their lives. And so we, we, we most often will go against this popular opinion of what the world tells us to do. And the choices to do what is right is not hard, but it goes against my desires and what I want. And so I want you to notice what Jesus declares. He, he, he says there's, there's a right way and there's a, there's a, there's a wrong way. There's, there are not many ways. Jesus says you are either with me or you're not. There's no middle ground. So what does is, what is Jesus say? Let's look at... Let's look at some of these answers that Jesus gives us for choosing the right path for our lives. So I, I, it doesn't matter if you're, start, if you're a teenager or you're going to college or you're later on or you're a senior. I believe these apply to every single one of us in making wise decisions. I don't think we ever arrive, do we, until we get to heaven. And so I, I believe these things are so important to implement in our, in our lives. So what's the first thing Jesus says to those that are listening? He says, listen, pick the right road. Make sure you pick the right 
road. Jesus tells his listeners, listen, you have two gates. You've got a wide gate and a narrow gate. And most people are going to choose the, the, the wide gate. Now, now let, let's, let's, let's get an understanding of what this, what this gate means. Why did Jesus use this illustration of a gate? Um, I think when we look at the gate, this wide gate, this is a gate of entitlement. This is what most people do. I, I, I deserve this because who I am. I deserve this because of my, uh, of my character or my title. The religious of the time had the same attitude. Because of their self-righteousness and their position, they felt like they, they, they deserved to be treated differently. And they didn't have to listen to Jesus or the words that he said. And Jesus states that only the ones that truly find life are the ones that actually come through him. So it's not based on your background or how religious you might be. Jesus says, listen, the ones that find life are the ones that go through this gate, the narrow road. So Jesus identifies himself, as we see in scriptures, as being the gate for the sheep. And so this wide gate is wrong. And so he says, narrow is the gate. And so what Jesus says is that I'm this gate. The narrow gate is Jesus. It's exclusive. It's the only way to heaven. So Jesus says, listen, I'm actually this gate. So when Jesus speaks of this narrow gate, he's actually the one. That, that it's exclusive. It's the only way to heaven. Wide is the gate that seeks to please man rather than God. And so many people will take that gate because that's the gate that pleases me. That's the gate that I don't have to surrender a lot. That's the gate that I don't have to give up a whole lot of stuff. This is the gate of entitlement. I deserve this because... Of who I am. So Jesus identifies himself as, as this gate for the sheep. You see, I want you to understand here, here's the picture. Those that were listening to Jesus would understand Jesus using this illustration of the gate. Because in the ancient walls of Jerusalem, there was a gate on the north side of the city. And this is where animals would be brought in for sacrifice within the temple through the sacrificial system. And the, the, the thing I want you to understand is. They went in, but they never came out. They went in for one purpose, and that was to make a sacrifice for sinners to appease the holiness of God through the sacrificial system that was set up in the Old Testament. And Jesus tells us that whoever enters through me, the gate, will be saved. They will go in, and they will actually find green pastures. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Those that enter the wide gate are actually going to find death. And Jesus, those that enter this one gate are going to find life. Well, that doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. Because the hearers thinking, well, the animals would go through this gate, this only gate, and they would never come out because they would have to give their lives. Here's the difference. Jesus went through that gate for you and I and gave his life for you and I so that we could have life. So Jesus, I'm the gate that actually leads to life, not death. Everybody else is saying, go through the wide gate. Everybody else is going through there. Everybody's following the, the tide of popular opinion. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That may seem like the fun gate. That may seem like the gate everybody's going through. But he goes, in the end, it leads to death, destruction. Jesus says, the reason why you want to come through my gate, the only gate, is because I'm the one that went through that gate for you and actually gave my life for you as a sacrifice. Jesus says in John 10, 7, he described himself actually as the door the gate for the sheep. Now, to get a, a, a clear understanding of what Jesus means, we have to understand how the shepherds protected their flock. 
You see, we have this understanding of a flock of sheep grazing in green pastures with a fence all around them. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever, I don't know what road it is, but it's in Parrington. There's this huge farm with all these sheep. It's amazing. There's like hundreds of sheep, and it's a huge pasture. And there's a gate around it, and they're grazing. It's just a really serene pasture-like setting. I think it's on Turk Hill, off of Turk Hill Road, but it's really, really amazing when you see all these sheep. And it just that's kind of the way we think of sheep and we think of, of being gated around, well, t- completely different in the Middle East. Um, here's the difference. In, in Israel, it's very difficult to find green pastures because it's so arid there. And a shepherd would actually have to lead his flock to where the pastures were, leaving the flock exposed to predators. So at night, they would become very vulnerable. And so what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would lead them into a sheep pen, and, 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 and this was nothing more, it consisted nothing more than rocks and a circle with a small opening. And there was no gate. It was just actually just an opening like you would see here. And it was just rocks and, and, and an opening. And he would bring his flock in there and the rocks would protect them. But there was an opening there. And, and what the shepherd would do is he would literally lie across the opening of this rock circular area to protect the sheep. So he would literally use his life as the door, as the gate to protect his flock from predators. He became the gate. The shepherd would lie across the opening to protect the sheep from the predators. Now, this is what's interesting. The shepherd became the gate. No one got in and no one got out that didn't first go through the shepherd. Nothing touched the sheep unless it first went through the shepherd. Jesus says, I'm that gate. I'm the narrow road. I'm the one you pass through. He lays his life down for us. He is our protection. He is our salvation. He is the only way. And this is what's so ironic. Those that go through the wide gate It seems so much better and everybody else is going through, but in the end it leads to to destruction. Jesus says, I'm that gate because I've given everything for you. And when you come through me, you're going to find life. Don't go through any other way. It's going to lead to destruction. Come through me. Have you ever gotten wrong directions from somebody? (laughs) Right? Or your your GPS gave you the, the wrong place to go. You're like, how dare you, GPS? I thought you were smarter than that, right? There was a, a, I was walking our dog Mopsy the other day and a lady was driving by in a minivan and she stopped me before she almost ran over Mopsy, but she stopped and, and uh, she was lost and she goes, do you know, it, it, where is this street? And I go, the, the, the street you're giving me is not in our neighborhood. I know all the streets, it's not in our neighborhood. I go, well, give me the, the address of the street. So I had my phone, I looked it up and I said, oh, that street's like five miles away. She goes, you're kidding me. My GPS told me to come in here and it, 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 I can't believe it. Right? She was shocked that her GPS was wrong. Well, you may need to have a better GPS. But anyways, you know, um, it, 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 it's interesting that so very few, Jesus said, will go through this narrow gate. It doesn't make sense. It isn't the popular gate. Yet those that go through it find life. And here's the reason why Jesus is so exclusive here is that there's no other gate. There's no other way to heaven through him. Jesus kind of throws down the gall and says, I am the only way. 
And it's interesting when people, I, I don't think they have a big issue with Jesus as a person or being a good person or being a prophet or doing good things or maybe even performing miracles. But when you get to the exclusivity of Jesus, that's where kind of the line gets drawn in the sand for people. And when you hear anyone talking about Jesus and him being a good person and so on and so forth, you have to get very specific. Because Jesus himself didn't give us any other way to believe about him than what he just shared here. He, just, he, just, he didn't say, well, I'm just a good guy. Or I'm a prophet. I've come to heal people. Jesus says, I'm the only way. I'm the gate. And when you come through me, you find life. There's no other gate. And any other gate that you go through is going to lead to destruction. Here's the thing I want you to understand about the person, the character of Jesus. There's an exclusivity about Jesus that he's the only way, but there's this inclusiveness of Jesus where he receives anyone who walks through that gate of him. He receives anyone. He doesn't care about your background, what you did, how much you've messed up in your life. You come through me, Jesus says, and you will find life. You will find forgiveness for your sin when you come through me. So Jesus says, listen, choose the right path. Choose the right gate. Choose me. Then he gets a little bit more specific. The second thing he tells us is you better pick the right teacher. He says, pick the right teacher. Now, Jesus says, beware of false teachers. Jesus tells us on the outside, they look fine, but in reality, they are wolves. And we are not to be naive and accept everything we hear. Now, let me say this. As your pastor, um, I love overseeing this church. Um, But it's my responsibility as the overseer of the church. I believe that Jesus pastors the church. I'm the under-shepherd of Jesus. He's ultimately the pastor of this church and leads this church. But I'm the overseer and the responsibility that Christ has given me to oversee the church, um, I never take lightly. And, and, And I believe that it's important that when I teach the word of God, that also we bring correction and that I make sure that there's correct teaching, that we do everything that's based in the word of God. And that's my responsibility to protect you from what I believe could be hurtful for your spiritual life. So under God's care, I have this wonderful responsibility of leading this church for the past 16 years. And I'm in the trenches with you. You know, I, I, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm the one that works side by side with you. I'm the one that goes on missions trips with you. I'm the one that lays block with you guys and women on mission trips. Stop laughing. Okay. I do do some work on mission trips. Okay. Okay. Um, but I care about this church. I care about you, and, and, and I am ultimately accountable to God, and I never take that lightly. And God will hold me accountable for the care that I've given you while I have been a teacher and a pastor here at Living Word, and God will cause me to be accountable for that, which, which is terrifying sometimes. We want to make sure that you're doing what God desires uh, me to do for sure. And I know there's multiple places where you can hear teaching, especially in our world and uh, world we live in today. Some of it can be good and some of it can be very um, uh, harmful. And I hope for you that, that what you hear me teach from God's word, you have discerning ears, that you will check it out for yourself in the word of God, that you will read the word of God for yourself. Now, here's my, here's my litmus test for you is, is, um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to anybody else. You shouldn't listen to any other Bible teachers. Um, but whether you hear something on TV or you read something in a book or, or, or somewhere else, let me just give you a litmus test on what you need to listen to when you hear. Not to be, not to be critical and always judging everyone. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying be discerning. And here's a litmus test that I would give you. And, and Jesus 
Jesus even said, there are some that come in my name that prophesied, that casted out demons, but they never knew me. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary. And so well, what's, the, what's the litmus test that we need to look at when we hear any other teaching or we hear something that's preached? Let me just give you a couple of things here. First of all, is the gospel message being preached? And what I mean by that, is Christ the center or is something else the center? Is Jesus being proclaimed? Is he being proclaimed as the one that's, that, that gives us forgiveness of our sins? Is he the one that is being proclaimed as God? Is he the one that is Lord, that is equal with God? Is he the center of the preaching? Or is something else the center? Is it more about a person or Jesus? Is Jesus an addition or is he the center? Um, Is it more about the founder of this whatever? Or is it more about Jesus? And, And there's another thing that concerns me as your pastor too, and it's this. When, when a teacher or a pastor or anyone else tries to play off someone's insecurities and vulnerabilities to take advantage of them. And, and, and I believe this is spiritual abuse. And what they will do is they will use their so-called spiritual authority and claim to be a healer or something else and claim to say that God told them. But I would say this, be very careful. If God is not telling you that very thing, then I would disregard it. Have a discerning heart. The Holy Spirit gives us that gift of discernment in our heart to know, wait a minute, this, I don't know if this is right. And so be very discerning about the things you hear. Many of these teachers will tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Amen? So here's the thing I would say to you. If you're in doubt or you say, hey, pastor, um, what do you think about this person? Email me. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my concerns. I'll tell you what, what I think, or, or I'll do research. Uh, you know, if you're ever in doubt or just not really sure about something, you know, feel free to email me and I would love to discuss that with you because um, I care about your spiritual growth and I want to make sure um, that you're on the right track. And I believe that's my responsibility as your pastor is to, to guide and to care and, and to make sure that, um, that you're going down the right path and that you're growing spiritually under um, good teachings. And let me just say this. There are many good teachers that there may be a lot of secondary issues that we may not agree with, but the thing we need to agree with is about the person of Jesus Christ. We need to agree about the word of God. Do we believe that is the word of God, that it's inerrant, that it's perfect in every way? Do we believe that Jesus is Lord? Do we believe in, in his virgin birth? I mean, these are core issues that lead people to salvation. And those are the things that we need to structure our lives around. There are going to be teachers that disagree on a lot of secondary issues, you know, and that's fine. We can, st- you know, end times and when Jesus is going to come back and all those other things. You know what? That doesn't bother me. We, people can have different thoughts and teachings on that. But at the end of the day, what are they teaching about Jesus? And what are they teaching about salvation? And are they teaching you to grow closer to Jesus in your relationship with him? And so if you have a question, please ask me. Number three, so Jesus warns us about false teachers. Number three, Jesus says, listen, pick the right relationship. Now, here's where he goes into, there are many that say they knew me, but they didn't know me. Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven. This is so hard. This is a scary one for me. Because those who come to Christ, they say, you know, didn't we do these things in your name? And, and we had these outward manifestations in your name. And then Jesus says, depart from me, you evil ones. I never knew you. What was the issue here? The issue here is they had the wrong 
relationship with Jesus. And boy, we better get this one right. Amen? This is kind of, I don't know if that, scare, if that verse doesn't scare some of you. It scares me because I'm like, man, I want to get this thing right. The key to this verse and what Jesus is saying here is the word new. Jesus says, I never knew you. He didn't, he didn't say you never did these things. They did. He's not denying that. He's just saying, listen, you never really knew me. And so what does he mean by, by this? Well, it's more than just knowing someone's name. It's more than just I'm Facebook friends with them, but I don't know them, right? How many Facebook friends do we have that we don't really know, right? It's more than, oh, I've got, I've got 18,000 Facebook friends, but I only know four of them, right? So, so it's, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying this. He's saying, listen, when he uses the word new, it means a close, intimate relationship. Do you really know me? I can remember as my grandparents owned some property in the Bristol Hills uh, down by Naples. They owned like 80 acres and great play. Had a little grandfather made a little cottage there and we'd go there on the weekends in the summer. I loved, loved it. We had a little pond there and I had a motorcycle, dirt bike, enduro. And we'd ride around a little mini bike that never worked, but we had fun. And my dad pushed it more than we, the thing actually worked, but we had so much fun. Blew a hole in the side of the crankcase. It was just fun. It was really like a bomb going off. Um, set the road on fire because there was oil on the road. My friend had a mini bike. He used shirts to make a seat, and then his mini bike caught on fire, which the road that we had was a dirt road, and they put oil on it to keep the dust down. It caught the road on fire. It was just fun. We had just fun stuff like that, you know, just real good stuff. I, I won't even tell you half the stuff we did with our BB guns and knives. But anyways... Um, <laughs> Fun stuff. So, um, you know, so I, we're walking along the road, and we had a lot of roadfront property, and there's these guys that were coming out of the woods. And my dad says, hey, what are you doing? And we actually, we had a, a 22. I think my dad was carrying a 22 with him and um, walking around. And, and um, they go, oh, yeah, we know. My grandfather owned the property at the time. And on the posted, on the, you know, the, 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 the posters that for posted no trespassing was Anthony Drace. They go, oh, yeah, we know Anthony Drace. My dad goes, you do? How old is he? Uh, uh, they, and he was at, my dad goes, you don't know my father. As my dad holds up his 22. Why don't you get stepping, boys? Okay, no, I'm just teasing. He told him to get, he told him to get out, right? They didn't know him. They, they knew his name, right? That was it. And they wanted to use it for hunting, so they thought they didn't know who we were. So they just thought they were going to get away with it and try to hunt uh, in the fall. But they didn't know them. They, there, there's this interesting um, verse and it's, it's on an old slab in a cathedral in Lubeck, Germany. And, and I believe what this saying does, I think it epitomizes what Jesus meant by saying, you never knew me. You didn't know me intimately. You did things for me. You did things in my name. In, in fact, you did some pretty spectacular things in my name, but you really didn't know me. Listen to what, listen to what this, I think this is great. This old slab in a cathedral in Lubeck, Germany, it's, it goes like this. Thus speaketh, thus speaketh Christ our Lord to us. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and live me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. 
You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and do not accept my justice. If I condemn thee, blame thee not. If I condemn thee, blame me not. See, the point that Jesus was making here is that you weren't really obeying me. I, I was kind of the tack on. You never really knew me intimately. Use my name to do great things, but you really never knew me. And, and I think we can fall into this trap that, that we say, well, I go to church and I was baptized. I may even give, give, uh, give, but I really didn't obey him. I really didn't, I really didn't know him. And so I think the reason why Jesus lays this out for us, he's, I think he's asking the crowd that's listening, is which relationship do you have with me? Do, do you really know me or do you just kind of know about me? Do you kind of, is, am, I, am I kind of a tack on on your life or do you really listen and do you really obey me? And I think that's good for us just to kind of filter that through our lives because we can fall into this trap of cultural Christianity where we kind of go to church, we act like Christians, we smell like Christians, we dress like Christians, we listen to Christian music, right? We can fall in this trap saying, but do I really know you? Am, am I really serving you? Has my heart really been changed by you? Am I listening to your voice? Am I listening to your spirit in my life? Is your Holy Spirit convicting me? That's the relationship that Jesus desires, one that lives in obedience to him. So pick the right relationship. And the last thing that Jesus says is this. He says, listen, and I think this is so paramount as he finishes the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, pick the right foundation. This is so important. Jesus closes the sermon by making an appeal to choose the right foundation. What foundation are you going to build your life upon? Building on a wrong foundation may seem okay for a while until something happens. And let me give you that the ESV study notes gives this interesting little tidbit here about building on the wrong foundation. And here's, here's what it says. It says, in the summer, the sand around the Sea of Galilee on the surface was very, very hard. But a wise builder understood this would not be a wise foundation because when the rains would come, the foundation would ebb away. And what they would do is they would dig deeper in order to build on bedrock. They would not be fooled by the season and by what seemed like a great foundation, they would not be fooled by that. And they knew that they would have to go deeper in order to build on a firm foundation. Our true faith and what we build our life upon will be seen for what it is when the storms of life come. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, the foundation that you've built your life on is going to be seen when the storms of life come. And the things that you struggle with is going to be seen for what it really is. And how do we react when difficult things come into our life? And here's one of the things that, that I love about being a pastor because so many of you, I walk through so many things in your, in, in your life with you and the struggles that you go through. And I love to see um, the hope that you have in Christ 
and, and what it does is it encourages me because when you're going, you know, just, we, you know, just this last couple of days, just a wonderful couple in our church, Luke and Sue Loomis. Sue's going through a really difficult time right now with, 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 with her health and they were on vacation and something happened. She had to have surgery and then it, 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 things reoccurred. And, and Kathleen and I were sitting with her in the hospital on Friday and she just, and I know it's hard and, and when you feel weak and you go through different things, but just the faith of just her hope that's in Christ is just, when we walk, Kathleen's like, man, look at her hope. Look at what she's going through and the pain that she's in and just, and the struggle and it's frustrating and just seeing, you know, for some of you, what you've gone through and just the hope that you have in Christ, the, the storms of life are going to be seen for what our faith is really built upon. And you know what? God allows those storms to come so that you dig deeper in your faith with him. If they never came, your faith would never grow. And, and how many of us say, I don't want them to come, though. I don't like them. I don't like storms, right? But I tell you what, when they do come, God allows them to come. And this is what we're talking about on Wednesday night. So come Wednesday night because the teaching is fantastic. We're going through this wonderful study on, on, on when life is hard. And, and so we, when life is hard and it doesn't make sense, this is when Jesus says, listen, this is, where your true, this is where your faith comes through. This is what, what you've built your life on. If you're, if, and here's what it is. It's, this, it's not this, so, so many times we, we just want this quick relationship with Jesus, this, this drive-through relationship with Jesus that's just 30 seconds. I did my study and, you know, but Jesus, listen, I want, I want you to realize that when you're going through a trial and you're seeking my faith, uh, seeking my face, you may not see it then, and, and as, you, as you persevere in your faith and as you read my word, as you pray, you may not feel it then and you're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I'm praying. I'm reading my word. Why isn't, it, why isn't it coming through? Why isn't it happening right now? Because listen, our relationship cannot be a drive-through relationship. What a great illustration. I just came up with it. Sometimes that happens. So I'm just telling you, once in a while, I get a thought, okay? It doesn't happen often. But I think that's what we want. We want this drive-through relationship where it's just quick and fast. And God says, listen, listen, listen. This is where I'm building perseverance in your heart. So when you're going through that trial, your foundation is getting deeper. So that when the storms of life do come, you're not going to be blown over. You're going to be like, you know what, Lord? I know you're with me. You're my strength. I've built my life on the rock of Jesus. And he never changes. He never changes. And then what you begin to do is you begin to look back over your life and say, oh yeah, I remember like a year or two ago. Because I remember just sitting with Sue because a year prior to that, Kathleen had an emergency, emergency appendectomy. And I think Sue was in the very same room that Kathleen was on for her emergency appendectomy. And I remember thinking, boy, that was a fun day, right? And, and like, but the Lord was with us. And we just got saying, well, isn't it amazing what a year does? You know, it's just God is with you and he builds your faith and he, he strengthens it. And, 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 and when we put our life on the, the rock of, of Jesus, we can look back over our life and say, God, you were faithful there. You're going to be faithful here. You're not going to leave me because I've put my hope in you. Build on a firm foundation. So I have, I have, I don't know maybe what you're going through today. But let's not falsely believe that just because I go to church or I do a few things around the church or I give to the church um, that I'm fine. Because if my personal life is not reflecting a life that's committed to Christ, then the storms of life are going to reveal that. And so here's my hope for you. Here, here's my prayer for you. 
is that you would consistently be building on that firm foundation, consistently be moving yourself towards Christ. Maybe it's, it's getting more involved in a Bible study. Maybe it's challenging yourself to read the Word more and, and, and really get along with the Lord. Maybe those are the things you need to challenge yourself because those are all times that we're preparing ourselves to grow deeper and allow our faith and our roots to grow deeper in Christ. So when the storms of life come, they will not destroy us because our faith and our hope is in Christ. Listen, I don't want your roots to be shallow. It's interesting that during a drought, we're in a drought. It's interesting how the grass comes back. I didn't water my lawn once. And my grass looks better than some of my neighbors that water their lawn every day. Have fun with your water bill. No, I'm just teasing. So some of you are like, I got to have a green grass. I can't have a burned out grass. And that's fine. I'm just teasing. But what's interesting about that is is the reason why it pops back is because their roots were deep. Sometimes the roots go deeper because, because it strengthens them. And if you just water a little bit by little bit, it only causes them to go how deep that water is. So sometimes when we go through those drought times, we may feel like God's not there, but in fact, He is. And He's causing your roots to go deeper in Him. To really trust Him when it doesn't seem like it's there. So what choices have you made in your life? What choices are you making for your life? Are you building on a firm foundation? What are you going through today? And what we're going to do is we're going to close with the song that we did, uh, Cornerstone, again. And, and my prayer is that you're going to sing this song a little bit differently than you just did about a half an hour ago. And if you're going through something today, if you're going through a trial today, there's something you're going through, listen, put your faith in Christ. Allow him to grow deeper in your life. Allow him to cause your roots to grow deeper in him. He cares for you. He loves you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. That's the love that we have in Christ Jesus today. Let's build our lives on that firm foundation and reach out to him. So I want to pray with you. Let's pray. And um, we're going to sing the song in closing again and just make it our prayer today. So Lord, we, uh, we come before you. And God, every single one of us as we travail through this, this life, we go through trials. Jesus, you even said in this world you have tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world in John 16, 33. We know that we're going to have tribulation. But God, I pray that we would trust you to know that even during times of drought, we know that you're doing something deeper in our hearts. Help us to trust you, not to give up, to our, allow our faith to be anchored on a firm, solid foundation in Christ, I pray for everyone here today that's just struggling with what they're going through, that you would just bring faith and hope to them today to put their trust in you, that cornerstone that can never be moved. Jesus, you're the same today, yesterday, and forever. We're going to trust you today, even through this storm, even through this trial, even through this thing that we don't really see an end to it or the light at the end of the tunnel, we know that you're faithful. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So we're going to put our anchor to you. And so, Lord, I pray you would strengthen every single heart in this place that's struggling today. And so we give you our lives and we give you our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being that rock in our lives and being the only way. And we love you. 
And we ask these things in your wonderful name.